Hello friends, I'm excited to tell you about our end of year matching fund drive. Generous supporters have gotten together and pledged to match every dollar given to Signpost In between now and December 27th up to $10,000. Your support is crucial to our ongoing ministry. And now you can double your impact by visiting signpostin.org donate and giving a special gift today. Please join us and help us continue being a welcoming space for those who need the incarnate grace of hospitality. Visit signpostin.org donate and double your gift. Thank you. Welcome to the Signpost Inn Podcast. I'm Brandon Booth. And when you're on a long hike, carrying unnecessary weight will slow you down. The same is true for our spiritual journeys. We all lug shame and guilt and unrealistic expectations, false identities, uh, distorted views of God, things that distract and exhaust us. In this episode, I'm once again joined on the back porch by Matt and Peter, my co-hosts, and we're discussing how spiritual direction can help identify unnecessary burdens that you may be carrying and encourage you to lay them into God's hands. It's not always easy, but it's definitely possible. Matt and Peter, it's good to see you guys. Welcome to the back porch. Yeah, hey, Brandon. Good to be here with you and Matt. Good to see you guys again. Yeah, I'm glad we can do this. Uh, Before we get started today, uh, I want to tell our listeners and our viewers uh, some exciting things that's that are coming up on the podcast. So very soon, we're going to be publishing our interview with Julianne Cusick, and she's from Restoring the Soul. Julianne is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She has 20 years of experience helping men, women, couples, all kinds of people uh, overcome wounds of sexual betrayal, attachment trauma, relational trauma. She's phenomenal. And so we interviewed her about forgiveness. And everybody, I think you're really going to love that discussion. It's it's awesome. We also have interviewed a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Peter Malls, and he's from Beeson Divinity School. And he wrote an article titled Death, Dying, and Dying Well. And he studies systematic theology and the intersection of that and historical and modern European intellectual history. Uh, along with philosophy, all kinds of stuff. So he's really got some great insights on this topic, and I I think we don't talk enough about it. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that one too. So now is a like fantastic time to fire off a couple texts to your friends with a link to our show telling them to subscribe um, or get on the old social media and encourage your peeps to check us out. Um, so listeners, viewers, please do that. It would be so helpful to us as we grow our audience if you would just tell people about the cool things that we're doing. Um, In fact, the great thing about a podcast is you could go do that right now and we will still be here when you get back. So if you want to press pause, we'll wait for you. And then you can come back after you've shared this with two or three friends and and then we'll have our actual conversation. Um, Yeah, so we'll see you in a minute and come on back. Okay, you ready? Let's... Uh, guys, let's jump into today's show. Uh, we are talking about packing light. We are talking about how spiritual direction, this is uh, continuing our series of episodes on what spiritual direction is. And we've been unpacking this idea, haha, <laughs> unpacking. We've been unpacking this idea using the metaphor of hiking and travel. And today we're talking about the baggage that we carry. 
things that when we are trying to connect with God or trying to grow in our spiritual life, those things that that stop us, that weigh us down, the things we carry into this process. So I want to just throw out the question again, as we've done in the past, what are some of the common kinds of baggage that we carry into our life with God? Anything you guys particularly are willing to talk about that maybe you've carried in or that you know about? Go ahead. I'll let, I'll let Peter go first out of humility. <laughs> yeah, well, that means I just get to take the easy one, which is like sin, right? Right. Um, yeah, I think the the reality of us being sinful human beings and uh, the feelings of guilt and shame that arise from being a sinner, um, man, that can really add a lot of weight to our journey with God and really present a lot of challenges into how we relate to him um, and certainly feel about ourselves. And so I think that can be a huge um, source of the baggage that we carry along in our faith journey is really coming to grips with uh, our sin, our mistakes, our failings, and um, either having faulty beliefs or not being able to accept what we know to be true, that God forgives us and loves us, you know, the feelings of guilt and shame and perhaps even self-loathing can be stronger and they really present a huge obstacle. And uh, that's, I mean, I relate to that. There are some points where it's like, I know, I know what is true, but darn it if it doesn't feel true that you know this guilt and shame feels so much more more true you know deeper rooted in me than than the love and and kindness that i know that god has for me and so i, I think that that can be a big piece of, of the baggage that we carry around on our spiritual journey it's just the mm. guilt and shame and and our sin mm. yeah well and i, I think um for me, the thing that jumps out and it, it's relevant relevant because it's come up this week is uh, the labels that others have put on me that even though I don't want those and I don't don't agree with those, really, I still have a tendency to carry around uh, like an accusation, this uh, this thing that other people have put on me. Um, and it's another and it's all I mean, it goes all the way back to, you know, childhood. Uh, a careless teacher speaking harsh words um, to a kid, and why? Why am I still carrying those those labels and uh, those accusations around? Um, I don't know. I don't know, Brandon. What 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 would a spiritual director say to somebody who says, "I feel like I'm still carrying this baggage from when I was a kid." Uh, a spiritual director would say, say more about that baggage that you feel like you're carrying. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but in all seriousness, that is actually what what we would say. We would want to add, want to invite, invite you to unpack that baggage. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe that is the simplest. <laughs> I think we did this a couple episodes ago. Um, if you want, if you want to stop listening after this, you can. Um, here's the single message of the show, so to speak. Um, it's that you can't. Uh, the baggage doesn't take care of itself, hmm. right? 
it you have to you have to unload it unpack it take it out of the bag I, I, the reason it's stuck there is because you buried it in the bottom of your backpack <laughs> and it's real hard to to hike up the hill when you've got a giant rock in the bottom of your backpack but you also can't get to it until you take all the other stuff out that that allows you to access it and then you can pull it out um and that even then you still have to set it down so the the short answer i think to the show like is find a wise guide to unpack your baggage with mm. and that doesn't have to just be spiritual direction that's one place um but certainly some things need to be unpacked with therapy therapy some pe- things need to be unpacked through relationships there's a lot of ways you have to unpack stuff but I don't know that does that answer your question, Matt? Sure. Well, and it, it, it even occurs to me in, while you're saying that that um, sometimes unpacking doesn't even necessarily mean unloading. Maybe it's just packed wrong. Um, you know, maybe oh, maybe yeah. you need to unpack it, re- do some rearranging, um, because maybe some things that we are carrying are essential. But this, but uh, maybe we got them in a place where in our pack where it's it's stabbing us in the back and it's rubbing wrong or mm. or we just need to uh unpack it and reevaluate. I don't know. Again, metaphor um is is my language, so uh that really works for me. Um yeah. I think in this particular context it's the the question is what stuff do you have that's weighing you down that you don't need as you continue to grow with the Lord, whatever that may be. Um, you know, the metaphor, the one danger I see in this particular way of phrasing the metaphor is it kind of implies that you should be moving faster and you should be mm-hmm. getting to your goal more quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily true. Um, but the metaphor does still work when it's, if if the goal is to know God better, if the goal is to grow in intimacy, trust, um, connection, friendship hmm. with God. So if, if, if the journey with God is more like a journey of relationship with a spouse of greater knowledge and intimacy of that person, uh, greater trust of that person, then obviously there's baggage that prevents us from being able to do that. I, someone said to me recently, I have trust issues. I struggle with trust. And like, you know, my, my feeling, my response was kind of like you and me both, buddy, welcome to the human fallen human race, you know? Um, but the nature of, of the nature of my problems with trusting God are probably very different than the nature of your problems, though they fit into similar categories. So Peter, you're talking about sin, guilt, shame. That is, to me, the most obvious one. Uh, bringing actual sin into presence of God and asking for forgiveness. <laughs> it's amazing how easy it is to say that sentence for such an incredibly difficult thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that I, I, think, I think whenever you... S- Whenever we begin the discussion, I mean, as soon as we started talking and saying what kind of unnecessary baggage are we carrying around, 
my mind went to a lot of things and Peter brought up things that, and I, and I think for most people just bringing up the topic, they're immediately, uh, aware of the things in their life because that we sort of can't avoid them, right? The fact that they are unnecessary burdens that we're carrying around, we're painfully aware of these things. Um, and they might be unique for in, in, in many ways, although they, they also might have surprisingly common, uh, Surprise! It's surprisingly common and surprisingly um, not as we're not as unique as we think, I guess. Uh, so, but 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 the question then it leads us to is like, okay, well, we know what we know what we're talking about. So, what do we do about it? How do you unload unnecessary baggage? How do you pack light? Well, I, I guess I want to slow it slow it down just a little bit because, oh, by the way, nice mug, Matt. I just have to say. Um, isn't that a great mug? Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Um, no, I want to slow us down a little bit because it's, there are the, there's the baggage that we bring into the relationship with God that we know we have. And I think that, you know, yes, amen. You say that you, as soon as we start this topic, I, three or four specific things come into my mind, but there is also baggage that we're not aware of. And that's where like, maybe mis a misplaced identity. Um, so I believe without really being consciously aware of it, that, that financial success is what makes me a valuable, lovable person. Hmm. I believe without really, and, and this is how, okay. So a misplaced identity in this context kind of, it, it, it means that I'm not aware of it. Like that's the point. Right. I, I, I believe that my value as an individual to God, ultimately, that's why it's a, an identity, depends upon goodwill of other people, the good opinion of other people, depends upon me being a good father, me being a successful businessman, me being a mother whose children never fight or whose children are uh, uh, <laughs> getting into good colleges being beautiful. I mean, you know, let's, what are all the different ways that we can mistakenly find our worth and value? And I think that one, I don't think most of us are, are consciously aware of that misplacing of our identity. And even, and frankly, even when we become consciously aware of it, it doesn't, that doesn't mean we stop doing it. Hmm. You know, it happens. Um, another one that that might be semi, semi-conscious in the sense that I'm probably aware I have it, but I may not be aware that it's a, a weighing me down and distracting me from God is anger, unforgiveness, um, relational pain that hasn't been resolved in my life yet. Like, I'm... You're, you're certainly aware that you're angry, but you may not be, I may not be aware of just how, how heavy that is. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. For me, just speaking from my own experience, anger was, was, has been, it's less now continues to sometimes be 
a really heavy baggage, a really heavy rock in my bag. But for a while, it it didn't feel like a rock. It felt like energy. It's like I took. It felt like an energy drink. Because hmm. <laughs> it's so it's such a powerful emotion. But it wasn't. I mean, it was a really hmm. big burden. Yeah, the, for me, this is making a lot of sense with the metaphor of you know what's in your backpack while you're hiking. And what I'm hearing you say, Matt, is there are things we're probably aware that are like, yeah, I, I know this baggage, like I know that this is wrong, but I can't seem to like get rid of it no matter what. But what you're highlighting, Brandon, is that there's some things in our backpack that we think, I no, I, that's essential. I need that for my journey, right? And, and we're completely unaware that it's extra weight. And, mm. and even uh, this analogy of anger, even sometimes on a hike, especially in a remote area, some people might be inclined to bring something to defend themselves, right? Mm. And I'm thinking of that like a weapon, you know, like, and maybe we think we need our anger because on this journey, there are people out to get us and how do I defend myself? And there's like, I need that in my backpack. Like that's my, you know, I need to have that available to me so that I can defend myself. Even what? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, immediately you said that my mind jumped to like, a really giant water bottle, which maybe, mm. you know, you think you really, really need, but do you really need to bring water into the desert when the Lord is the one leading? You know, I mean, the Israelites wanted to store up all the manna and keep it mm. because they were afraid they wouldn't have it the next day. And God says, don't do that because mm. he's mm. going to provide every day. And so, you know, we... This wouldn't be anger so much, but as some, you know, maybe it's the identity issue, you, something you feel you desperately need in order to survive in this world that, that the Lord is asking you to set down because you don't need it with him. Defensiveness, et cetera. Or, you know, one of the things I have on my list is like these unrealistic expectations for spiritual and emotional perfection or progress. Uh, that, you know, there's my, or even a map, you know, like I got to have my map on this journey, which is my preconceived notion of where I'm actually going and how I have to, and how I ought to be growing with God. You may, you know, if God is the hiking guide, you don't need a map. That's an unnecessary thing to put in your bag. Hmm. And if God can bring water out of the rock, you don't need the things that you think give you water. This is very highly metaphorical right, right. now, I, but it's those the, your questions there, your insights there, just sort of remind me of our desire, you know, to control life. Right? We want sort of certainty. Security is a huge human need, right? And on our journey with God, it's no different. We want to feel secure. And we often think that it's up to us to bring the things we need to keep us safe. But what you're highlighting is, as we've been talking about throughout this series on spiritual direction, that the, the core fundamental truth is that God is our guide, right? God loves and cares for us and is actively intervening in our life to lead us. And if that's true, then there are, like you're saying, there are so many things that even might be good safety measures that we'd say, I actually don't need those because I have a good father who's going to take care of me. 
and and he's going to lead me to the next place where I can get a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I, I I'm I'm tracking with you. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. As you're saying these things, um, you know, I was really comfortable talking with unnecessary baggage that I that I don't want. But when you went after the stuff that it's that are my safety things that I cling to, um, I'm I'm feeling I'll be honest, I'm a little defensive right now, Brian. <laughs> You're coming after the things that I'm I'm clinging to that I that I feel like I need because reasons, Brandon, reasons. Don't don't go after <laughs> don't go after those things. Those that's off limits. And then yeah. you and then you went there. Thanks. Wow. Hmm. Well, yeah. Well, sorry, Matt. <laughs> also, not, no, you're this not. is a classic sorry, not sorry moment. Um, you know, let's full circle this. We started with the most obvious one, which is these, these sins that we know we have, that we have shame over, that we have guilt over. And those are two different things, of course, but... Um, I think we, okay, we tend to take sin too lightly Hmm. by taking some sins too seriously. Let me, uh, let me unpack that. We know the sins that we carry into our lives that we're very conscious of, that we feel a lot of guilt and shame over, that we tend to ruminate on and tell ourselves that we are horrible individuals because we have this particular sin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, fair enough. Those things could be very bad. But but the root of those sins, as the root of all of the particular actions that are sinful that we do, is a deeper, more core sin of lack of trust, of, of of inability to give up the things that we think we need to God. And so we, I will speak for myself. How many times in my own life have I felt shame and guilt over particular things that I've done and felt really holy about the, holding on to that shame and guilt and self-destruction and all the stuff, you know, and really been like, I am a good person because I recognize how bad of a person I am in that particular sin. All the while, completely looking the other direction from the actual thing that God is asking me to give up and trust him in. When I've done that, and, and I guess to be more specific, it's like the thing that he's actually asking me to give up is my core identity assumption that I need opinion of other people that I need success that I whatever it is in order to be happy and this little sin it's not little but the sin that I'm doing over here this thing I'm really conscious of is my escape mechanism or my you know it's it's the way that I get the thing that I think I need <laughs> and I could give that one up sure that one goes away and I just latch onto another sin that is escaping or connecting or trying to get that thing I core thing I need. And the Lord is saying, give up the core thing. Trust me. I've got you. And then I deal with the and the the periphery things get taken care of more easily. So the point is, I think Matt, when we got to this 
God is asking us to give up my water bottle and not take it on the journey with me because he's asking me to trust that he'll lead me to streams of living water. That's far, I feel far more defensive about that because that's the thing that all my conscious sins are defending or escaping or, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, like, I think we don't get to the core very easily when we answer this question super superficially and say, yes, the baggage that's keeping you from your trust, deeper relationship with God are these conscious sins. Like, yes, but there's more. Yeah. Well, and Peter, your, your example of uh, taking weapons, you know, um, I mean, because that's me, even whenever we go on a walk in our neighborhood, before we leave the walk out the front door, there's part of me that's like, well, I probably should take a stick or a knife or something because what if there's a dog? I mean, there's no, there's no stray dogs in our neighborhood, but what if, right? And so there is that thing where I, I need to take this thing that gives me a sense of security um, because what if? And this this thing that you're saying, Brandon, of being invited into walking by faith, it feels, I mean, it feels almost naked. It's like, wait, God, you're wanting me to do this. That's, you're asking a lot of me, God. Yes. How does a person do that? I was, Peter, were you, you, you look like you wanted to say something. Oh man. Yeah, that this is, I, I feel like we're really hitting the core matter at hand, which is really both intimidating and exciting here in the conversation. Um, I'm, I'm reminded that um, this is reminding me of our conversation that we've had here on the back porch. I think a podcast called Broken Cisterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that passage was coming to mind, the passage in Jeremiah, where God says, my people have committed two sins. They have dug for themselves cracked broken cisterns that don't even hold water and they've forsaken me like the fount of living water and that imagery of just what you're saying brandon about even the water bottle and and everything that just meshes so well so if you want to hear us talk more about this issue a whole episode on it you should go back to our broken cisterns episode i might i might go back and listen to it um as well in light of this but but yeah um it occurs to me that it does seem um, well, it's not irrational, but it does seem irrational when God asks us to say, hey, leave that behind. Leave your you know, needs for security and safety. Leave those means by which you secure yourself. Leave those behind, right? If, some, if we were walking into, in real life, bear-infested territory and somebody said, you don't need to bring that bear spray. You don't need to bring that, you know, that uh, gun We'd say, you're crazy. Uh, what are you talking about, right? Um, and so it, these conversations about faith always come down to, well, who am I trusting? What is the object of my faith, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I think to zero in, like, why, why would we ever trust God when he tells us to do something that seems so blatantly uh, maybe even dangerous or harmful? And it's because... We know God's character. He doesn't just come show up to our door one day and say, hi, I'm a stranger and I'm going to tell you to do crazy things. Like we'd, we'd blow him off, rightly so, right? Who, 
he's this strange person that we don't believe has our best interests at heart or you know why would we why would we trust him and so i think i think the conversation kind of winds around to our images of god and and adopting the correct view of god that says he only does anything for my good you know he is a loving father who is actively seeking my my good and wow i I don't understand why he's asking me this or that, but I know his character. I know the character of Jesus who would go to the cross to die for my my sins and to die for me. And even if I don't understand this particular situation, I know that he's not he's not out to harm me. That amen. That is a good word. Um two quick notes before we comment on that. Um we will try to put a link in our show notes to the broken backlinked broken cisterns, but shout out to one of my directees. You know who you are, who sent me a link to Tim Keller's sermon called shameless prayer. Hmm. Um, and let's try to put a link in the show notes to that podcast as well, man, it, it precisely what you're talking about, Peter. Um, one of the metaphors there is exactly what you just used of we are like little, you know, like like a four-year-old, five-year-old daughter with our father, the king, God. And kids get it. They don't expect to understand what mom and dad are talking about. They don't expect to understand what the adults are doing. They just go and ask God for things. You know, they ask Papa for things, Dad for things. And he's like, oh, that's, I know you want to do that, but that's not safe. Let's do this other thing over here. <laughs> and you know, there's there's sort of an instinctual at four or five years old. I, sure, okay. You know, I, I don't understand why dad doesn't think I should do that, but okay. <laughs> um, and I really liked that that metaphor. I think, mm. I think similarly the kind of back to where you were starting, and Matt, what you were saying too is like, how does one do this? Yeah, it's too. It, it is super scary when God asks us to trust him, not the objects in our back. You know, Matt, uh, sorry, Peter, you said it like this all comes down to the object of our faith. And that really opened it up for me. Am I trusting the water bottle in my backpack? Am I trusting the gun in my backpack? Am I whatever? Or am I trusting the, the journey's guide, the guy who is leading the journey? So when we go into bear infested woods and I'm told you don't need that gun or bear spray, I go, that's insane because I trust the bear spray, the gun. And what's being actually said to me is not go in naked without protection. What's being said to me is don't trust your own gun or your own bear spray. Trust me because I know how to handle it, Hmm. says the hiking guide. So you're not asked to go in there unprotected. It just feels like it because you're being asked to go in being protected by God, not by right. yourself. Right. Which I think is the bridge to the question that I think all of us are feeling right now is like, ah, how? And Peter, you gave the answer. Think of it this way. I... Let's use the water bottle rather than a gun. (laughs) Why, if you are an avid hiker, 
do you take the particular water bottle that you take on every hike? It's because you've used it, you trust it, you know that it's going to do the job, you like it. You know, safety equipment. Why do you take the particular... I am not a rock climber. I have friends who are rock climbers here in Colorado. But you can find people arguing about what's the best brand of rock climbing gear. Why? Because they trust it. They've used it. It's reliable. It's going to work. So their object, take the rock climbing gear, the object of their trust is the gear that they use to climb rocks that they know works and have had history with and trust. That answers the question of how you gain trust. How does trust get built? Over time, trusting the object, trying it out, using it, so on and so forth. Talking to other more expert climbers, seeing what they use. Precisely, I think, the same thing is true in your spiritual journey, trusting God. It's not an act of sheer will, blind faith. I'm just going to trust. Who knows? I mean, frankly, that's a stupid way to climb a mountain. I'm just going to randomly trust whoever shows up, whatever gear happens to be there. So it, it, we are invited by God to test his claims, to check out his word, to see what he's acted like, to try him out. Is he actually good? And one of the key ways we do that, Peter, you've, you've pointed to is look at what he's done. Look, primarily the cross. Is that the kind of guy? Is that, is the guy that dies for you, the kind of person who's going to leave you hanging when you, when you're in need? How has he treated his people in the past? That's, we have the stories in my own personal life. How, over time, how has it, you know, has God been faithful to me? That one's a little tricky. I want to be careful with that one, but is that making sense, guys? Am I? Yeah, it, it does. It does make sense. Um, I'm sort of wanting to connect this to the conversation about spiritual direction and how that connects to this movement of making that step of trust, that that leap of faith, so to speak. Because for me, my own experience of spiritual direction has been less about acquiring that knowledge of, oh, God does love me. Like he, he died for me. Like I knew those things, right? It's about the integration, the... Um, coming into a space where I'm invited to practice what I believe, if that's the right way to say it, the, you know, um, to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, for to sit in a room with somebody who I, I trust, who is, is listening well to me. And they say, I, I hear you say that you trust God. And yet we were talking about this issue in your life that you don't want to let go of. You know, this is your water bottle that you feel you need. But what, in light of what you say you believe, shouldn't you let go of that? Like, isn't that what you say? And then I go, yes. And then they say, well, how about we take a moment and sit with it? How, you know, and lead in a practice of, of trying to consent to that, you know, giving a, a space and an opportunity, not just to say, oh, yeah, I, I believe that, but to actually involve my whole being and saying, I, I believe, help my unbelief, Lord. And for me, that that's the real kicker. 
that's the value that I've experienced so deeply in spiritual direction is not that I'm learning new information necessarily, but that I'm being invited and, and in some way taught, led into how do I actually integrate what I know to be true about this faithful guide, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, my heavenly father. I, I know, I believe that they are good and they are for me. How do I actually follow? How do I actually consent to that reality? And for me, that's been such the gift. That is, that's been the gift of spiritual direction is entering a space where I'm invited to practice that in small steps at a time. And, and so I don't know. Yeah. I, it's there, there are two, I guess, metaphors coming together for me in this. The hiking or the rock climbing one is not exactly about packing light. So, but it, but it helps get clear on what's going on. At least at this moment, I see two different ways that spiritual direction is focused on helping you do this. The first one, Peter, is inspired by your your comment about kind of putting your money where your mouth is. You know, it's like it's like standing at the foot of the cliff with the ropes connected in and you're in the harness, but you haven't started climbing yet because you're scared. And the hike the 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 guy who's belaying you at the bottom, who's like your coach, who's who's the experienced climber, is encouraging you. Go ahead. Trust the rope. Start start your ascent, you know? And you're standing at the bottom going, I yes, I know that this rope is trustworthy, and I know that this gear is trust. You've shown me, you you did this. I saw it. I trust it. And the guy at the bottom's like, uh-huh. Okay. Then go ahead, start climbing. And you're like, I trust this rope. <laughs> and there's yeah. somebody who, you know, so to, to make that analogy clear, that metaphor clear, the rope and the gear is God. It's the object of your trust. The guy at the bottom is not God. He's not your, the person you're trusting. He's, he's analogous to the spiritual director who's simply supporting, encouraging, even giving you gentle nudges to actually trust God and start the climb and put your weight on the rope. That's one way I think spiritual direction can be a extremely beneficial help. Now shifting to another analogy. Um, you've got this giant rock of shame, guilt, fear in your backpack. Well, the answer to shame, guilt, sin, fear in your backpack is forgiveness, is the experience of being accepted when you let that go. Or, you know, maybe it's not shame and guilt. It could also be an identity issue. I need this, this, I need success in order to be valuable. And I've got to prove to you that I'm valuable. So let me tell you all the things I've done. The answer to that is to be able to set that mask down and be seen for who you really are and then find out that you're still loved. Well, 
where that needs to happen most is between you and God. Like the trust you're being invited to have is I don't need to prove to God my value. I can show God my actual shameful actions and he'll still care for me and love me and accept me. But I don't trust that that's going to happen. I don't think anybody will love me, care for I, I did, If they knew who I really was, everybody would throw me in hell. In that context, spiritual director, I think I've used this before, but in my training, we use the phrase a transitional grace object. It's very sacramental, actually. There is an embodied human being there who can directly and in the moment give you the experience of being valued, liked, wanted, even when your worst is known, even when you let the mask drop. And it's that very embodied experience with another human being telling you, I have heard I have seen and I still accept you. I still am on your side. I am still for you. We are, you know, you are still allowed and safe to be here. That's the experience that like in the moment is a real experience of I can drop this and be acceptable. And I can transition transitionally that experience to God. God is the same way, only more so. He's even more accepting and more loving and more for me than this human being here. So, yeah, in both of those metaphors or analogies, the key thing to see is it's not about knowing it with your head so much like factually as it is doing it and experiencing it. So you you really literally actually do how does one so I'm gonna circle this around and I'll stop talking, but Matt, you asked, okay, how do you do it? And I ask people ask this question all the time, and it's kind of funny, right? It's like, well, how do I set down the the rock that I've been carrying in my backpack on this hike? Well, you just you, you take it out and set it down. That's how. You know, it's like, because usually what we're asking when we say, ask that question, usually I find myself when I'm asking that question, what I'm saying is I don't want to, I'm scared to, Hmm. I know how I set it down. I don't want to, and I need to be invited gently to do it and then encouraged to do it. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think Peter, I think you're the one that said it earlier of, um, this, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road in the walk of faith is because you, that takes faith and that's hard to do. And I appreciate you acknowledging, Brandon, that in in principle, it's easy. You just do it. Um, but also acknowledging it's hard. It's hard. Um, my mind goes to... Um, you know, the woman at the well in her encounter with Jesus. Um, what was he asking her to do? Believe in him? Not much. But she, but for her, 
the things in her way, the, the difficulty of getting from all the baggage that she's had to laying it all down and simply taking a cup of living water from the source seems impossible. You know, she, she asked, you know, I hope I'm not reading too much into the, the story there, but she's like, I can't, why, why can't, I can't ask you for living water. You don't even have a bucket. How on earth are you going to do this? And, and I feel that same, that same level of skepticism in so many areas of life where God is calling me to trust. Uh, it's like, but can I really? Um, and the answer was, yes, of course, just do it. But it's scary. It's hard. I think the comfort, some comfort for that, exactly. Some comfort for that is, like, is this not the story that's repeated in Scripture over and over and over again? Like, in every instance that we see another storyline starting in Scripture, it's the same story. It's like God asking a person or people to trust him and follow him into the desert, into the new place, into back to the home. You know, I mean, it's like at every point along the way, the people are asked to trust him. I mean, it's, and then you get to the Jesus and like, that's the only question he ever really asks. Trust me, follow, me. you know, and, and are we not all the rich young ruler? Every last one of us, we have something that we're clinging to you know, that Jesus says, there's one thing you lack, give up everything and follow me, which is the same as saying, trust. And, and are we not the rich young ruler, every one of us that says we go away disappointed because we have great fill in the blank, <laughs> great wealth, great success, great fear, great whatever that we're just unwilling to let go of at that moment. And so I say that all to say we are all microcosms of the great story and you're not alone. If you find it difficult to give up everything and trust Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know, like no, yeah, 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 yeah. And and Jesus himself has great compassion on them. he knows how hard it is he knows your frailty so this isn't this isn't a moment where what we're saying to you is suck it up buddy give up everything and follow jesus and if you don't you're the only odd one that can't do it the rest of us are doing just fine no what we're all saying is there really is only one sin and that sin is not trusting Jesus. And we're all doing it all the time, which is why we trust with a little mustard seed of faith that God forgives us. And that's enough. That's enough. He's merciful. He gets it. The actual answer is you can't keep any of the Ten Commandments, let alone the most important one, which is love God with all your heart, strength, and mind and soul, right? So that's why Jesus did it all for you. That's why he was tested to the utmost degree of trust. The only real sin there is. He, he doesn't expect you or me 
to trust him totally all the time and give everything up and follow him. Because that's what he did. He did that on my behalf so I don't have to. Because I can't. Which is exactly what he says. To the, you know, the rich young ruler says, he goes away and says, I can't trust you. I don't have enough. And the disciples say, oh my gosh, who could possibly be saved? <laughs> and God says, Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. There is a tradition that the rich young ruler, I believe this is correct. I'll have to double check this, but there's a tradition that the rich young ruler gets gets saved, like does end up following Jesus. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but but it's certainly possible is the point. Because the rich young ruler didn't need to do more. The thing he was being asked to do was do less. Hmm. Stop trusting his own goodness and stop trusting his own wealth and be like, Lord, I can't do that. And Jesus goes, you're right. That's okay. I've done it for you. One of the greatest joys in my life as a spiritual director and receiving spiritual direction is it's there are many other places that this happens good churches good pastoral counseling good therapy many other places this all happens but one of my joys is being able to direct and continually redirect people's attention back to that truth continually point to the goodness of god in concrete forms so that they might see that this is really true. They really can put down all the stuff that they're burdened with and they really can trust God and to do so gently. Meaning I don't, I, I don't have to grab things out of your hand and make you lay them down because that's not the kind of God that I, that Jesus is. If you carry that baggage for the next 27 miles, the whole time, Jesus saying, you could lay it down. You could lay that down. You could lay that down. He's He never grows impatient. He's never like, okay, I'm done with you. And I think that's just one of the greatest joys is I get to partake in that. I get to be like, do you want to lay it down this time? No? All right. Let's look at Jesus again. You want to lay it down? No? All right. Look at Jesus. And that's just... That's a beautiful thing. And I need that in my own life. So much of this is resonating with my own experience. And like, I know I don't need to emphasize it because this is all just what you're saying here, Brandon, but this is a really gracious space. I think there's a way, like you were saying at the beginning, there's a way to hear travel light, no unnecessary weight as sort of like optimize your spiritual journey, trim off the fat and get going. Yeah. Right. And, and to remove that mentality to this is Jesus's pleasure to journey with us. And he's so gentle, so gracious, right? Like he, he knows what we need when we need it. And, and he's, yeah, it, he's just a, a gentle and gracious guide. Uh, and, and the only thing that we stand to gain, there's not this injunction on us to change and be different the only thing we gain is like peace and comfort and and the relief of going, wow, I feel lighter because I just I just took those things out of my pack. And I, I feel like, honestly, there's a 
I think health feels better, right? Being healthy, having having trust in God, like it it is better than not. And I don't know, I would just say to the the listeners, this is um I mean, just such a gracious space. So if I can encourage in any way possible from my own experience or just emphasize that element that stepping into a spiritual direction session or being on this journey with God isn't isn't about fixing the problems and and getting optimized and being better. It's God's good pleasure to be with you. And he's super gentle about it. And all the spiritual directors that I've known and have journeyed with have the the really good ones have have embodied that same gentle, gracious, direct invitations, but it's not a coercion or arm twisting. Mm. It's just a really unique and wonderful space. And I really encourage you to give it a try if you have not. So that's yeah. just my personal shout out. Yeah. I do, I do want to, I want to flag for some people, there are times, I've had these in my own life, where God does bring us to a decision point, right? Like in his gracious wisdom, there, there comes a moment when he says, you either lay that down now or not, you know? He doesn't lose patience with you in the big sense. It's, you know, it's not like he's, He's done with you. He's going to walk away. But in his wisdom, he brings you to a point where it's, you either set that down or it's going to be real nasty. (laughs) And like a good father does sometimes. In those moments, I guess what I would say is, so, so I want to acknowledge that those things exist. And it does not feel like God is gentle. It does not feel like God is kind. But I do think it is actually his gentleness and kindness and wisdom that brings us to those moments. And in those moments, I think even more so you need the support of a good community, a spiritual director, you know, however you find this. But I think that's who can who can embody again that trusting relationship and remind you that this isn't this isn't because he's pissed off at you and doesn't like you. And. And even it assists you in going through the hell that, that you feel like you have to go through to let it down. So I, I don't I just don't want to lose sight of that. There is that experience too. But 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 overall, yes, it's still wrapped in this gentle kindness of the patient God, who's Absolutely. the good father. Um I think this is a great point to offer a couple of resources. On the top of my mind, in terms of people at this stage. What would be useful to know? Um, one, how do you find a good spiritual director? And we've sort of answered this question in the past, but I, I would say one, reach out to us. We we can help you find one. Obviously, if if you're interested in trying it with me, that's a great place to start. There are two other sources that I can offer to you. One is We'll put this in the show notes, but it's uh, ESDA, and it's with an it's run by an organization called Grafted Life, but it's just a giant list of spiritual directors. Uh, I, it's an association. I'm part of the association, and you can get on there and search by location, by uh, various factors, and you know denomination, things like that. And 
And it allows you to just sort of get a whole list of directors who will either be in your local area or meet via Zoom or whatever. And you get to read their bios and just it's it's a great resource. I think there's over there's a couple hundred on that list and they all have agreed to the ESDA, Evangelical Spiritual Directors Association, basics. So you know that they're at least Christian. Um, and then there's another organization that's located here in Colorado Springs called Anamkara, and they have a short list, a much smaller list. Again, I'm on that list as well. I, I'm one of I'm associated with them. Um, much shorter list of directors that you can read little bios of and then connect with. They also offer a service, which I find really powerful. Um, they all have fancy names for it that I can't remember right now. <laughs> but you can actually set up a, a session, a meeting with a girl, a lovely lady I know her personally. Um, basically to have like a pre-interview, she just is very gentle, talks to you, gets a sense of who you are and where you are, and then she will make personal recommendations of spiritual directors within their network um, well well outside of what you can find on their website. And that's connected with Autumnkara too. And again, we'll we'll try to put a link to that. Very, very useful because it's somebody taking the time. That's free. All of that is free. It's somebody taking the time to get to know you and then personally recommending people that might connect well with you. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. So again, we'll we'll link those things. We'll offer those things. Those are ways to find spiritual directors. Um, it's a lot like finding a good therapist. I've said this before, but it bears saying again, the most important thing in the relationship with a spiritual director is, is the working relationship, meaning you need to feel comfortable with the person you're with. It does no it does no good at all to like gut it out with somebody that you, you just don't feel like you can talk to. No matter how wise they are, that's what matters as you as we've been saying this whole time is that you have trust. So try a couple. <laughs> um, almost every spiritual director I know does the first session completely for free so you can get to know them. Try two or three before you settle down with somebody and then give them a couple of tries and then reassess. It's, this is not the kind of thing that you need to sign up for, commit to, and be like, I'm going to bear down. You, you need to find a, find a relationship that really works for you, somebody you can trust. Um, so the, again, we'll try to put that in, but that's stuff that I think really practical advice towards helping find someone. And the last thing I'll say on that is, if you've been listening for a while now and saying, eh, I really should, I I should try it. It might be interesting. I should try spiritual direction. I don't, maybe I need it. I don't know. I, you know, you're, and, and that's happening. Uh, please pay attention to that. That's probably the invitation that it would be a good thing to try. I know the biggest burden or no biggest barrier to any of these things is that fear of vulnerability. What does it say about me that I think I need help? What it says about you is that you're courageous. That's what it says about you. What it says about you is that you're honest. What it says about you is that you know the reality of yourself 
and are willing to trust God because you need help. Of course you need help. The only person in the entire universe that doesn't need help is God. So you need help. And you're you're not saying anything bad about yourself. Another thing that gets in the way is it costs too much. I don't know if I can afford it. Maybe it's uh, what's going to, you know, I got so many other bills. I, Amen. Yeah, I know. I know. Would you pay $100 to fix the brakes on your car? Would you figure out how to get that money? Do you change the oil on your car regularly? Do you figure out how to get that money in your budget? Yeah, of course you do. Do you take your dog to the vet for regular checkups or yourself? You know, and actually the answer might be you don't. You might not actually take yourself for regular checkups for the same reason. Fear, don't want to be known. Maybe the doctor's going to say that I am too fat. <laughs> you know, whatever. All I'm pointing out is, yes, you do take your car in to get regular oil changes because you know it needs it. And you find the money for it. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? How much more valuable, how much more worthy are you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Find the money because it's that's what's worth spending money on. Also, I will add, Every spiritual director I know is happy to work with you, has some sliding scale, will do it for free. Some of them, myself included, has a certain amount that we do for free as a way of like donating time. I mean, you might even be able to do it completely for free. So if you get free oil changes for your car, would you do it? So... You know, I, I just encourage you to explore. It's valuable. You're worth it. Amen. Matt, any closing thoughts here? Kind of as we wind down and wrap up? I think it's just mostly the same thought that I have almost every time we podcast. When I realize by the end, I'm like, hmm, I feel like this conversation was something that I needed to hear today. Um. That happens so frequently, it's kind of a joke. Um, but <laughs> I guess um, I guess my final thoughts is I'm really glad um, that I have friends that I can sit on a back porch with and talk about life and uh, hear wisdom, maybe even wisdom that I don't qu quite want to hear, but I need it anyway. So thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, yeah likewise. Yeah. And listeners, we are really grateful to have you along with us on the back porch. Uh, it's so exciting. We are, we are seeing growth. We're seeing people, more and more people joining us. It's so much fun. Um, I, I was just looking at, you know, YouTube this morning, listening to our episode that came out today and noticing that like, we've got it a handful of people who showed up over there and are checking out the podcast there. It's so cool. Yeah, it's fun. And thank you for that. I hope that you are being blessed by this. It, our goal is not to have a huge following because we like to have a huge following. My sinful self loves that. I would desperately love that sinfully. 
But honestly, I feel like our goal is if we're being useful, if we're being encouraging, then please encourage people with it. But don't if it's not. Because that this we want this to be part of our ministry. For other people to know Jesus. We know we love Jesus and we love people and we want them to get to know each other. So if we're helping that happen, then please share it. Um, and and shoot us some comments, shoot us some ideas. We'd love to hear from you too. If you haven't signed up for our e our email that comes out once a week, it's got really great stuff in it. So please check that out. Go to our website. It's I think it's under resources. Sign up for the email. Um, we'll send you a free ebook if you do that. And also you can ask questions and we'll answer them there. So we just have a lot of places where we're trying to help people bridge this gap with Jesus. So thank you. It's you are a huge blessing to us listeners. We we are grateful for you and may the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org donate. That's signpostin.org donate. And thank you.